0: And then something else that's really exciting tonight, i um, calling Michael up to give us the word tonight. Yes. <laughs> um, I just want to say something, Michael has been such a faith, faithful servant in this house. You know the word of God is true. A servant shall lead them, and out of his service, Michael has been leadership has been recognized on you, Michael. And because of your faithfulness, that is why you are standing here tonight to deliver God's word. And we are so excited, and you're going to just do amazing. So go for it, bro.
1: So no pressure after that introduction. (laughs) So yeah, evening church. So this is my third time preaching in front in front of you guys. and in, in pure every nation style, Pastor Greg came to me a month ago and was like, "Michael, guess what? You're preaching a full sermon on the 8th of March. Good luck." So, you know, needless to say, I've been thrown in the deep end a little bit. So, I like, yeah, I hope I hope my message today, because it's 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 something that's important to me, and I hope it blesses you guys. But I also hope that I don't like make it too short, because I'm quite a concise guy. <laughs> and or or just or just talk too much so let's just, let's see how this goes so today's topic is giving now giving is is a is a topic itself that I've actually wrestled with a lot as a believer like i think so I got saved when I was fifteen, and it's something I've struggled with not because I don't agree with giving, but because I do agree with giving, and it feels like Within our context in South Africa, whatever you do give or whatever spirit you approach giving, it always somehow feels like your giving is not enough. And I don't know if I'm kind of alone in that feeling. But we we live in a difficult context. And just to talk a little bit about our context. So a World Bank report was released in 2018 that said south africa is the most unequal society in the world the most uh, the richest 10% hold 71% of total wealth while the poorest 6% or poorest 60% own 7% so more than half of south africa's population live in poverty $83 a month or 1300 rand per month just over 25% live below the food poverty line, so $37 a month or 580 rand a month. Uh, we know about our struggling education system, overburdened healthcare care system, uh, high levels of crime, and kind of exacerbating it at the moment, which we found out this week, is that South Africa is formally in a recession. Um, and unemployment is at the highest. It's been in 11 years at 29%. So one thing I think is clear, it doesn't matter who you are, If you live in South Africa, you're well acquainted with need, and you either recognize it or should recognize it, that need is something that's prevalent in our society. But I guess the question for us as Christians is, how do we respond to it? Sorry, one second. (laughs) So how do we respond to need? Because it's everywhere. So... Our central scripture today is 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 7. There's going to be like a lot of scripture and I'm going to read pretty much all of it. So here it goes, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to make you stand like pastors used to, but I thought about it. I, th- I thought about it. Okay. So 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 7. And now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up in rich generosity. If I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a, uh, a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. So just a bit of context. Paul established the church at Corinth sometime around AD 50, AD 52, somewhere around there. But between AD 52 to AD 57, third missionary journey I think it was, Paul spent a considerable amount of his time trying to organize collections for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. So, to give you guys an idea, so, Jerusalem was kind of the center of Christendom at the time, but believers were poor. After the conversion to Christianity, many Jews in Jerusalem would have been ostracized socially and economically. Uh, as the mother of Christendom, the Jerusalem church was obliged to support a proportionally larger number of teachers and probably to provide for the hospitality of frequent Christian visitors to Jerusalem. There were food shortages at the time, uh, due to like the overpopulation in the area. Around AD forty six, there was serious food so- shortages. The Jews were being taxed both by the Romans and as the Jews had to f- um, and as Jews, and the community sharing that was that was kind of going on at the time. So if you read Acts, you know they shared everything in common. While I guess it was a blessing to everyone, it did kind of aggravate to their own poverty. But the point is, is that the Christians in Jerusalem were in a place of Real need. Real need. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, and he's commending the Macedonians that gave beyond their means. Yeah. They were giving out of, extreme, out of extreme poverty to fulfill the need that was in Jerusalem. So what's, what, what's, what's the point? Giving is part of Christian life. It's part of Christian life. It's our response to our context. It helps alleviate suffering and provide an enabling environment for the gospel to thrive. So, why is giving part of, a Christian, of the Christian life? Okay, so we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time, like a little bit of a detour, but we're going like to sort of come back to that. Uh, we're going to read my favorite passage of Scripture. Um, it goes, I think I probably anchor my life on this Scripture more than any uh, you know, passage in, in the Bible. So I thought appropriate to share it with the church this evening. But we're going to read the parable of the talents. So Matthew 5, verse 25, 14 to 30, and I'm going to read the whole thing. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with with him. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness." The man with two bags of gold came also. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful of a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went and hid my gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you, his master replied you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that the harvest, so that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and, thrown the, and throw away that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sorry, there's a lot of scripture, but that's, it's important. Exactly, we need the Bible. <laughs> so I want to talk, spend a bit of time talking about something, just the way I see it. So when a person is born into this world, right, they're born with a certain endowment of natural, call it ability or potential, inclinations, things, they come, they come in the world with this potential. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 says, For you've created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. There was a there was a grander design to your life. Despite whatever the circumstances of it, there was purpose in your creation. So all of this raw endowment, big word, but is, is kind of you come into the world in it and either through your circumstances, the family that you're in, all of those different, those gifts, talents, abilities, inclinations are either nurtured or not nurtured, and they can be developed or not developed. But, and somewhere in this mix, I guess, with us as believers, somewhere between this time, we find the Lord. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, we confess it with our mouth, believe it in our heart, we get baptized in water, baptized in the Spirit, we go from death to life, resurrect, you know, um, seated up in the heavenly realms of Christ and we're righteous before God. But something powerful happens when we accept the Holy Spirit into our lives. Acts 1, verse 8 says, But you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When a believer gets saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, that believer becomes capacitated to live out their kingdom calling for God. The breath of God is also suddenly breathed over a believer often manifesting in spiritual gifts which the believer can use to serve and advance the kingdom. So I kind of have like an image in my head, and i I got to give, um, I gotta give uh, like I guess, oh, it's Bill Johnson in a sermon I listened to um, painted this analogy, that a believer has natural abilities. A believer has certain things that they come with. And think of that as a kind of like a sail. But when the Holy Spirit gets involved in a believer's life and capacitates them for things, it's like a gush of wind that suddenly hits that sail and that sail goes flying. And you suddenly find that someone who was only able to do so much is able to do a lot more than they were before. You know, people who have interest in science suddenly become doctors. People who like to sing suddenly lead worship or create music that benefits everybody. People who like the Bible suddenly become preachers. The power of God, when it comes on a, a on a believer, is profound. It is profound. And it completely changes it. So it's those natural inclinations that you have combined with spiritual gifts that you have access to through faith in Christ that literally capacitates you and chards you into profound, supernatural, multi-generational impact. But the thing is, so it's a scripture here. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given us everything. Everything we need is found in relationship with him. We have a profound level of access through the Holy Spirit. But the thing about, I guess, our time here and our life here is that it's actually quite short. And the point is that what we do in this short space of time actually counts more for eternity than we realize. While we are saved by grace, there is a reward system to what we do here. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 to 15 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives the builder will receive a reward. If if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So what we do here matters. How we use our gift talents and abilities on this world matters. And it matters in eternity too. So, just like the parable of the talents, Uh, gifts are given to us, but ultimately God expects us to use these gifts for the expansion of his kingdom and to represent him on the earth before we leave leave this earth. So there are different manifestations of the Holy Spirit uh, that we can contribute to the body for the benefit of the kingdom. And while there are many sorts of gifts, and that's found all over Scripture, I've sort of bucketed it, and you hear it very often, uh, preached at every nation into time, talents, and resources. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. So if we focus just on resources and kind of thinking about what I was talking about, I guess, on the previous page, is that each of us have these gifts, talents, and abilities. And I think an important thing for us to recognize as believers is that our abilities and our talents often manifest themselves in the things that we do on an ongoing basis, so our work. And there's an economic value attached to our work and the things that we do and it comes to us as money. So, you know, some some might have more, some might have less, but our involvement, and if, you know, we're working, translates into a a, a certain element of resources that we have. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Everything comes from God. As much as it's easy to claim, okay, yeah, but it's my effort, it's, it's every your effort was given from God. Your ability to move, your ability to breathe was given from God. The fact that you're alive today is given from God. The fact coronavirus hasn't hit you. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, was, that wasn't appropriate. Let's go back. My wife's looking at me like, she's a doctor, she's like, no. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that if everything is given. The strength we have, God has given. The strength we need, God provides. We can't, can't. Say it's me. can't say it's us. It's God. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The parable of the talents charges us to faithfully steward the resources given to us by God. So So what does stewarding finances faithfully look like? So I I often get asked, well, you know, outside of sermons or if it's just talks, to talk on these things because I, I, I work in that field. But I've tried to put together... I guess how I see it. Give, giving is part of good stewardship, right? So you've got, like I said, a certain element of, certain element of resources. And of those resources, some of it should be tithe, and Pastor Roger's going to speak about that next week. There's giving, which we're talking about today, saving and spending. On giving, 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This has been a challenge uh, over the last, or well, for a while, or for, for my wife and I. Something that we we've said often in our conversations, and it's something that's very real to us. And we're aware of that. There's a responsibility that we have to our to our family and various family members, and not doing so makes us worse than an unbeliever. Hebrews thirteen, verse sixteen says and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Deuteronomy fifteen seventeen to eighteen says, if anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land your Lord is giving you, do not be hard hearted, or tight fisted towards them; rather be open handed and freely lend them whatever they need. So giving is reflected a lot in Scripture. Uh, these are a handful of verses, but. All you, all you need to do for the Old Testament and New Testament is look through them, and you'll find that it's it's a theme that's all over all over Scripture. And I'd argue that after tithing, giving is, this, is the second most important thing. Then saving. I'm not going to spend time talking about this, because if I do, we're going to be here for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, 20 minutes more. <laughs> but not, this is, in Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says the wise man saves for his future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Yeah. Pay yourself first. You know, everyone's in different places and different circumstances, but in so far as you can, get into the practice of saving. Then, then spending, which I'm not going to spend much time talking about, but because <laughs> <laughs> after Pastor Carol's sermon last week, we know what our culture is. We know what Joe Book is. Nobody needs to be encouraged here to spend. But, but the point is, is that God has provided everything in life for our enjoyment. A worker deserves his wages. You're not in sin to, after prioritizing these various things to spend some money on yourself, provided it's not to the neglect of the things that are important to the kingdom. So what does giving look like? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously, sowing and reaping. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So just to unpack this, and we'll unpack the second verse and then jump back to the first verse. There bolded, each of you should give. The scripture says it in that each of you. Everybody, everybody's in different positions, granted. But each one, according to what they've decided in their heart, should give. It's part of the Christian life. Then what's in your heart? It's very important that giving comes out of the right heart, but also to understand that he who sows generously will reap generously. So there's a tension there. There can be a lot of things in your heart, or there can be nothing in your heart. Maybe let's start there if there's nothing on your heart, that's not an excuse not to give. If there's nothing on your heart to give to in our context, you've got to ask yourself where your heart's at. Because ultimately, you you just got to drive out of here and you see need. So there has to be something on your heart. And then once you've evaluated what's in your heart, it's up to you to decide how that's going to look like. But it's got to be there. And it 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 gives the Lord a lot of, Joy, when the place that comes out, is out of genuine joy to give. So it's not out of compulsion, feeling like you have to, to keep up an appearance or an image, feeling like feeling like you, you ought to or you want to because there's something you actually want to get in advance, you know, from that person. Yeah. It's about giving because you genuinely want to, or even better, if you're graced to give. If, if you're a, I, I know a couple of people like this. Um, I myself am not there, and I hope me and my wife will get there get there at some point, but I know people who are so graced in their giving that it creates this virtuous cycle of ongoing abundance and giving. It's kind of like you look at their lives and you're like, what is going on? Because they go, they take these radical measures to give to people and, sudden, and they find themselves getting far more in excess in like this ongoing, revolving, continuous like cycle of just receiving and giving, receiving and giving. And that, you know, people like that are in a space where they're grace to give. And it's a place where I think the Lord calls us to. <laughs> despite what the GDP numbers are saying. <laughs> you know? Despite, despite what unemployment is. Amen. You know? Amen. Despite how many people, like, you know, are on 1,300 rand a month. You know? Um, there's something supernatural that God can do through ordinary acts of obedience and faithfulness and stewarding the gifts that he's given you and he can do it and accelerate it and create momentum that far exceeds one, two, or three, or four, or five. It's powerful stuff that God can do. It's very powerful stuff that God can do. Then, so what does giving look like? I've got two questions. So the first one is what's on your heart? It might be family, friends, missions. Job creation, angel funding, funding NGOs, social causes, community infrastructure, education funds, social events, campus conferences, general philanthropy. There's a whole lot of things that could be on your heart and many things that you know are not reflected there because there's a need everywhere. So the second question is, OK, you know what's on your heart. What are you going to do about it? Uh, how are you going to give towards what's on your heart? So I'm quite a practical guy in terms of how I approach things like, if I see it in scriptures, OK, what does that mean? What am I going to do? So it's deciding for yourselves, OK, cool. Is this going to be for me, What based on what's in my heart, weekly? Am I going to give weekly to something? Am I going to give monthly, am I going to give annually? Is it a fixed percentage? Do I give an absolute amount? Is it on request, is it randomly, only when prompted, with a bonus? The idea here is placing, placing the responsibility and taking ownership of ourselves. and thinking giving is something that's important. I recognize it. Cool, what am I going to do about it? How's it going to look like? And without comparing yourself to others, without feeling like you need to fall under the expectations of others that may assume you need to be giving in a certain way. But it's being faithful to what God has laid on your heart and doing it, doing it faithfully. Um, I think I'll leave it there. But then what does giving not look like? So each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So I put these up here because I've been in these positions a couple of times before in my life where sometimes you might read what the Word says about how, you know, give to everyone who asks you. Given, it will be given to you. And taken at the extreme, you might think that in some cases when people come to you with requests and asking for things, that because of the plethora of generosity that you see reflected in Scripture that you are mandated to give in a situation. But I guess... Family you're here to say that in some situations it's not a good idea to give, or rather, in some situations it's not a good idea to just to give financially, yeah. Yeah. and it's better to try and give another way. So, one is enabling addictions. If you know categorically that someone, whether it's a friend or whatever, is going to use whatever you give them to feel like an alcohol or drug addiction, that's not something you should be feeding into. Rather, what you should be giving is your ministry, your prayers, your support in any way that you can to lift them out of their situation and take them out like out of this vicious cycle of addiction. Enab- enabling unhealthy dependence. Each one should carry their own load. In some sense, we're called to be generous and help fulfill the needs of others, but sometimes if your giving is just fulfilling wants, or you're, you're feeding into someone that doesn't actually really, really truthfully need it, when that, what's allocated, could be allocated elsewhere. It's a discretion thing, but it might not be the best thing to do. And then giving inconsiderately. Um, So the example I used, I thought of, is um, if, say, you've undertaken to support someone financially, don't put yourself in a situation where you're unable to fulfill that commitment because you've given these funds away elsewhere. It's about being faithful and about being steward, not being tight-fisted, but the idea is to be generous, but thoughtful, and prayerful in how you are being generous. So this, I think one thing to add, has been a difficult one. Like I said, I've rest- one of the things I've wrestled with for, since just getting saved, is in our context. And also when you're in settings where you just don't know. You don't know, like what's happening on the other end of what you're giving. It's still to this day something that I wrestle with, but like I, I don't think that that's reason in our context to step away from what we're mandated to do, and the lifestyle we're called to live, and to be prayerful, to be thoughtful, but to keep it moving, just to keep it moving. Um, you might not always get it right, but to keep keep it moving and try and make giving part of your life. Then, what is the result of giving? 2 Corinthians 9, verses 8 to 12 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they've really, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So who benefits? Giving benefits the giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all times, having all you need, you are bound in every work. The giver is blessed spiritually, both spiritually and at times, and often reflected materially from being faithful and giving. Then the receiver. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The receiver benefits, and the, like, the name of God is glorified. When there's the situations we prayed for people in need of funds for education and, and, and medical-related expenses, when you see God come through in people's lives, what erupts is this... Is praise, is thanksgiving, you know, to God ultimately as being the provider and is using someone else as a conduit, you know, to provide that blessing. And then trusting God. In our context, and I guess I spoke a little bit about earlier, in our context, giving requires faith. It, It means us believing that God really is who He actually says He is. Me and my wife often talk about this when we're talking about like our faith. And that do we actually really believe that God is who he is? So God is the supreme reigning authority over all, right? He he holds the earth in the palm of his hand. You know, he knows like every hair on our head. He knows every thought we're thinking of every single person at every single moment, at every point of time. Past, present, future. He knows everything that's gonna happen. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He has no limitation to his resources. There's nothing he can and cannot do in any situation. He has no limit. If that's true, what does it mean for life? And what does it mean for the things we pray for and trust for? Whether or not we're we're in a recession or not. And it's a challenge, but it's something that to, to think and reflect. Like, is do you do you really, do you really, really believe? Do you really believe that God is he says he is. is he re- is the supreme reigning creator because if he is and is that what you believe in your heart that fundamentally changes everything in life every single situation in life is different if you believe God the creator of all things is right there with you in any financial situation in any situation at work in any situation with the families it changes everything so trust trust in God or HD bit reminder. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll just keep going. Um, so, family, uh, that's really my message. Um, I don't know how long or how short I've been. <laughs> like I said, I'm quite, I'm quite a concise guy. But, are we back? Okay, it's fine. But my message is really that... Okay, there we are. back. Um, God's manifold grace has given us time, talents, and resources capacitated by the supernatural breath of the Holy Spirit. Us working with Him, the Word, us internalizing it, it becoming flesh in us, it manifesting in powerful and profound ways to affect people and communities around us. Being stewards of God's grace requires us to act as conduits of His blessing. And that includes in the area of finances, and especially in our context. And despite our level of resources, we're called to give in accordance with our faith. And the end result is that the receiver is blessed, the giver is enriched, and God's name is honored. So, in conclusion, giving is part of the Christian life. It's our response to our context to help alleviate suffering and provide an enabling environment for the gospel to thrive. Thanks, family.
0: Great word, Michael. Let's give him another round of applause. Thank you, Michael. It's good. Awesome. What I'm going to do now is to talk briefly about the practicalities of giving here at Every Nation uh, Rosebank. I think Michael did a great job speaking to us about the heart, the heart of the matter. Can I remind you that God is not after our money? He's after our hearts. God is not after our money. He doesn't need our money. He's after our hearts. So one of the slides that um, Michael put up there about how you give of your tithes, giving to uh, the needy, giving to social responsibility, that's what I want to talk about how we do it here. And I also want to take time to explain to you something called ministry of partnership, how we partner with our missionaries to help them do all that God has called them to do. So talking about the practicalities of giving, From the very text that Michael read, the Bible says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. They gave themselves first to the Lord. They gave of their time, talents, and treasure, their resources to the Lord, but they also gave to us. There's something about prioritizing giving to the Lord and also giving to God's people. Remember, the only thing that we take with us to heaven, it's our relationship with God and relationship with others. It is not money. It is none of the things that we see on earth that we take with us to heaven. It is our relationship with God and with others. So we give our tithes, our offerings. We give to the needy. Let me explain that in this church, we have our African Havens ministry where we Take children who've been abandoned from hospitals and a big portion of our income as the church, we give there. We also give towards an education fund that we have started to help those who cannot be able to afford to pay for their studies. We also now are doing our best to help our Tandanani car guards to get trained and to end up having a life of dignity. Can I hear amen to that? The most exciting thing is we are working towards an every nation foundation where we can be able to also access funding for these guys that we're raising up to be all that God has called them to be. So we are working towards that. Giving to missionaries, that's what I want to speak about now. Um, These are some of the food soldiers who daily leave this love God, love people, love our city. So not only do they minister here on a Sunday or during the week at schools, but they also take their time to minister outside the church to go to where the people who need the gospel are. So our kids' church spa over there, Saki, Tabitha, and Nino, they go all out during the week to do outreaches and reaching to the people of Joburg. So how we partner with them is, as church, we give them a base uh, income like a stipend and then they raise support to be able to reach what they need to live by so we want to partner with these people and as Michael spoke so well pray about it hear from the Lord you give of your tithes and offerings that is to go to the church and then over and above that if you have that little bit of extra you can partner with these guys 100 rains makes a big difference 200 makes a big difference. So the little that you can will make a big difference to put these guys uh, to continue to minister. We also have our missionaries who not only minister in Joburg, but us out of Joburg. Sipokazi there, she's ministering in Thailand. And I want to share one of the high testimonies uh, just now. Uh, Tiam and Natasha, they are helping all our churches in Africa, as in South Africa is also in Africa, but up north, you know. They are ministering to the churches up north, so we support them. Jonathan and Joanne Party have been praying about moving to America and to be part of a church plant in America. So we honor them for taking a step of faith to being a blessing to the nation of America. As Africa, we tend to be a an, an blessing to other nations. Amen. We need to... Break this backbone of poverty that we only get and get and get, but we want to be a blessing. So you can speak to Jonathan and Joan after this, how you can partner with them as they go and be part of a church plant in Denver. It's Colorado, right? Denver, Colorado in the U.S. Other of our campus missionaries, Carol, we know, Luella and Mwadi. A lot of people keep calling him Msedi. It's not Mwadi, it's Mwadi. Um Pila, we know he's led worship a couple of times here. He's a uh, campus missionary at UJ Soweto. Please partner with him. And we also have Mary Jane and Elilwani. They're at the West Campus. We have uh, Pepile. We have Neo at We have Cornelius. And we have Busi. Also UJ Soweto. We get to partner with these guys as they're missionaries on campus. Something that Spokazi shared with us yesterday to just give you a practical testimony of what God does when we're faithful in helping these people. Spokazi told us that yesterday they baptized six women who have been abducted through human trafficking. This is in Thailand. These ladies were baptized yesterday, taken out of brothels, out of the dungeon of the enemy and giving them a hope. And giving them dignity that God has a plan for your life. So one of the things that she's doing in Thailand is to help this woman, taking them from the dungeon of the enemy to help them find dignity. So this is what we get to partner with when we partner with missionaries. So, um we want to give you an opportunity to ask any question that you have around the finance of the church or about giving and tithing. You can send them during the course of the week and before the sermon next week, we will answer your questions. We believe in this scripture that says we do all that we can to walk with uh, transparency before God and before you. We do all that we can to walk with transparency. If you didn't know, we give 25% of the total income of this church Towards church planting, towards missions, towards social responsibility. We, we do not only preach about giving, we are a generous church. And we will continue to be a generous church. As we close, there's two things I want to mention. It is during this time of recession that the first thing that goes is our giving. But as the scripture that uh, Michael read says, God provides seed for the sower and bread for food. You need to understand the distinction between bread and seed. Eat the bread, what God has given you to enjoy. Eat the bread, but do not eat your seed. If you eat your seed, if you take away that which you are supposed to give, what will you have tomorrow to give with? So have a distinction, see a distinction between the seed and the bread. Do not eat your seed. Give with your seed. Can I hear amen to that? Second thing we want to do is to pray for those who are trusting God for a job. Maybe you are here and you're hearing this message and you say, but I'm still trusting and believing God to have some form of income so I can be able to be a blessing. We don't only want to speak about finances, but we want you to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Let's stand and those who are trusting God for a job, please raise your hands. We're going to pray for you. I just remembered We need to give um, you an opportunity to partner with these missionaries. Before you put your hands up, these missionaries who are going out, we have a card here that you can put your name down and they will contact you, meet with you to explain how you can partner with them through praying or through giving. We have here kids ministry, campus ministry, missions, and also if you want to spe- specifically partner with any of the guys that were there, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand now so that we can give you this card. The ushers have this card. So we want, if you want to partner with any of these people over and above your, your tithes, just raise your hand. We will get this to you. The ushers are going around. We want to get this to you. My wife and I, we partner with three of these missionaries, and it's a blessing to be a blessing. Amen. So I want to give you an opportunity. Just raise your hand. We can give you this cuts. The ashes are getting to you. Please fill it today and leave it uh, at the info table as you walk out so that we can contact you during the course of the week. As you consider how to give, may the Lord bless you. Now let's take time to pray for those who are trusting God for jobs. Just raise your hand. And friends, family, let's come around these people and trust God to come through for them. Testimonies are going to come out of this. God is going to show himself faithful. Father, we bring all these people who have raised their hands and trusting you, Lord God, for jobs. Lord, we know that in the current economic climate it is difficult, but nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, you can make a way where there is no way, Father God. Lord, we pray that even this week, testimonies will come, that some of them have already been called for interviews, Father. Lord, we pray that you go before them, Father God, and give them favor, Father. Lord, we stand on your promises, Father God. Your promises are true and amen, Father. And we speak prosperity. We speak abundance, Father. We pray and ask, Lord Jesus, that you open doors for them, Father. And we know that, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, Father, to open doors for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let's give God all the praise and the glory. Thank you, Lord.